0: I sometimes like to start the Christmas season or sermons off with a few jokes. I guess you heard Frosty, the snowman, and his wife got divorced. Did y'all hear this? It's tragic, it's terrible. You know why? She was a total flake. You know, we, we figured out, we know, but it's been affirmed that Santa Claus definitely is a man. That's nothing against women or anything like that, but that he is a man. And one of the clear indicators is, is that no woman would wear the same suit 300 years in a row every Christmas season. Amen? I mean, you can just hear this Christmas Eve, her saying to him, are you going to wear that again? Well, it's comfortable. It's it's not a skinny fit. It's kind of a casual, loose fit for him. And you like that? No? Okay, I'm changing the sermon. We're going to talk about tithing in hell this morning. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's no problem. The Scriptures will be on the screen. And we're going to talk about something that I believe is extremely relevant to you and to me and to all of us. And let, let's begin with this. And here's the, the heart of it. We, we regularly have to deal with people issues. We have to deal with people problems. I was talking to one of our ministers, ministry team the other day, and, and we both kind of uncomfortably laughed saying to each other, one of the things about life is you just got to deal with people problems. You got people issues. And there was a young man, he, he worked offshore. Before he went to uh, his gig, he had, had all this planned out. He got his brother a shotgun for Christmas. And his, his, his girlfriend, some perfume, and they were being sent to him, and he had sent cards to him. Well, they got mixed up, and the, the brother got the perfume, and the girlfriend got the shotgun. Well, the girlfriend also got the shotgun with a note that was actually intended for her, and it said, I will be home in a few days. Please use this on yourself soon supposed to be the perfume, obviously. That would be a problem, amen? That would be a people problem. Joseph had a people problem in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before they were married, very bluntly, before they had sex, she was found to be with child from... The Holy Spirit. One of the things that Joseph was not privy to right now was that the child was from the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were here last week's a quick review. If you were listening, uh, I'll take that by faith. But if if you weren't, you've already forgotten. The Jewish marriage process in Jesus' area in his day was threefold. When you were young, you got engaged. Your parents may have got you engaged or a matchmaker when you were five six seven or eight very scary thing but a very true thing then there was the betrothed or the pledge stage and then the marriage ceremony proper which we all understand joseph and mary are in this pledge betrothed stage it's a one-year period. It's very unusual it's kind of weird it's a one-year period and during this time you are called husband and wife but you don't live together the only way it can be settled or, or broken is by divorce or by death, and she lives at home with mom and dad, and he lives wherever he lives, and there's not to be any sex, in, of course, until the marriage ceremony. So, to show up pregnant, and the Old Testament addresses this, to show up pregnant would be a very, very serious thing. And it's dear, during this time that Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, and he knows It is not his. Put the verse back up on the screen if you would. It says that she was found to be with child. Now, I'll be very careful about faulting Mary too much, but it almost sounds like there she didn't tell Joseph what was going on and she got a belly bump and he saw the belly bump. She was found to be with child. You don't have to raise your hands on this. That'd be a serious, serious, serious people issue. Our problem. Now, thank God we're not going to face it, something like that in that scenario, but you got people problems today. Are, are you going to? You absolutely are going to. If you've got any sense at all, you know you do. You, you, you may have them with your husband or your wife, or you have them with friends, you have them with a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you've got to make some decisions in the near future about to to stay with or to break it off. You have problems at work. You have problems with your boss. You have problems with your employee. One of the most common denominators about life is that we have people issues. That's never going to be settled this side of heaven. So here's the question. What do we do about it? How do we handle them rightly? It's not a question of whether you're going to have them jesus 's mother and stepfather had them Jesus had them, and you 're going to have them. The question is how do we handle them properly here's the first thing and, and this is you could almost build a sermon around this how you handle your people problems it, it's this it starts with who you are. be the right kind of person. This may sound weird because most of the time when you read books and you you hear lectures about how to handle people problems, you get into a lot of things you're supposed to do or not do. Here's the most fundamental thing. This overrides everything. Who you are is the most important thing you take into any people or any people issues that you're going to have. Now, folks, the, the the Jewish law was clear. You can read Deuteronomy 22 for a betrothed person or someone who has actually had gone through the marriage ceremony. If you committed adultery, the penalty for that was death. The, the marriage was broken. The vows were broken. The, the covenant was broken. And the penalty for that was death. It's debated whether in Jesus' day that was still enacted because G- the Jewish people weren't a civil state. They were under Roman law, but it could still be enacted. It was a serious thing. So, one option Joseph had was to push her out there and to have her executed. Wow. And they executed by stoning. That did not involve marijuana, that involved rocks. They threw, listen, they threw rocks at you or they gathered around you with rocks and beat you until you died. It was terrible. Here was a second option, and it may have been part of the stoning, but you, you submitted them to public disgrace. You went before a court of rabbis, and they found your spouse or your person guilty, and they were publicly humiliated, or there was a third option. And the third option was is that you could take your spouse before two witnesses and divorce them quietly. Now, it's really interesting, Roman law at this time, in fact, Roman tradition, Jewish law, and I'm not saying the Bible, but the Jewish law in the, of the day, the Jewish thought of the day was that you needed to make it public, Not necessarily that you had to have them killed, but you needed to make them public because here's what you were doing. By you making them public, you were saying, I'm innocent. They did this. You're stepping away from their sin and their crime. And you're saying, I don't condone that kind of behavior. So it was almost expected that you were supposed to. You were supposed to make a public exhibition out of them to clear your name. But in verse 19, here's the key, I think, to the story. And her husband Joseph being a just man, he was unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. That little verb there, being, means who he was. This is who Joseph is. He is a just man. The word just in your Bibles is synonymous with the word you see sometimes righteousness. If you're taking notes, it's very important. What does this justice or this righteousness mean? It means virtuous. It means upright. It certainly means someone who keeps God's commands. They're upright. They're virtuous. They keep God's commands. It's a person whose life is conforming to God. It's a person who's trying to conform their life to God's will. It's a person whose life is approved and accepted by God. When you're truly righteous, you live in a way that you will be accepted and approved by God. Very, very important. But here's the key. The, the kind of righteousness that Jesus was going to talk about in 30 years and really that the Old Testament promoted that it was ignored was way different than a lot of the righteousness pra- practiced in the Old Testament and in Jesus' day. It's a lot different than a lot of the, the righteousness practiced in youth groups or college groups or in churches or around connection group tables where we don't do certain things and, boy, we will rip apart people who who do I mean, we will smoke them in half. The flip side of that is we have no standards at all. We accept and approve. Everything's okay. 30-something years later, Jesus is going to address the righteousness that his stepfather Joseph had in Matthew 5.20. Jesus says this. These are powerful words, especially to church people. I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never Enter the kingdom of God. Listen, the Pharisees and the scribes were the most religious people. They were you, you couldn't show them up in a religious debate. They knew the Hebrew, they understood Greek, they were, they knew God. Many of them had memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Go home this afternoon and start on Leviticus, and call me tomorrow. I mean, boy, and they, a lot of them were very meticulous in how they obeyed the law. But Jesus said, your righteousness stinks. And in fact, he said to his followers, unless you are more righteous than them, you're not even going to heaven. And they had to be going, my goodness, what can we do? Because these guys exercised the law so perfectly. And Jesus said, the righteousness that I'm looking for far exceeds just keeping the law. It's kind of the righteousness that Joseph had 30-something years before Jesus was even preaching. What kind of righteousness is God talking about here? What do you need to take into relationships? You need to take into relationships, absolutely, truth. You have to have truth when you go into relationships and difficulties. But the righteousness Jesus talks about is a truth bathed in love and grace. If you're taking notes, write 1 Corinthians 16, 14 down. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, do everything in love. Have hard conversations. Fire people. God forbid if you had to divorce. If you breaking up with people. Hold the truth but do everything in love. In 2 Peter three eighteen, it says, continue to grow in the truth and in grace. I'm paraphrasing that grace, undeserved, unearned favor, and grow into truth. See, what Jesus said that he wanted from you and me, what Joseph, the kind of righteousness he had, was not a snooty, churchy, look down, point at you, I'm better than you, righteousness. It was a righteousness that said, yes, we're all sinners, and sin is wrong. See, we fall off the horse in on one of two ways. We're either mean, or we're either, oh, everything's okay, okay everything's okay. You remember the story in John chapter 8 where a woman is caught in adultery? Do you remember that story? It's interesting. They bring the woman to Jesus. She's been caught in adultery, but they don't bring the man. How many of you understood it takes two there? Where was the man? It was probably a setup. And they bring her to Jesus and they want to kill her. Do you remember that? Because the law said to kill her. And Jesus starts writing on the ground. And We don't know what he was writing. Was he writing their sins or the names of the women they were running around with? We don't know. And then he says, hey, you want to kill her? He may have been tossed him a rock and says, go at it. But only if you, you, you fear without seeing yourself. And they all disappear. And Jesus didn't look at that lady and he didn't say, hey, I know, you were just, that's just who you are. It's okay. Just have safe sex from now on and it'll be good. Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. I think that was Jesus knowing her heart and saying, I accept you. But you go and you sin no more. The righteousness Jesus expects from you and me is not a snooty, churchy righteousness. And it's not a lukewarm, everything's okay righteousness. It's love, grace, and truth all mixed together. Am I making sense? Everything you take into your relationship starts right here. It's so, so important. Hey, guys, let me tell you something. Do you you know the common denominator in every people problem you have? The one thing that you take to every people problem you have is what? Is you. Is you. And the only thing you can control when you're dealing with bad employees or bad bosses or a kid problem or a parent problem, the only thing you can control is you. And what made the difference for Joseph and why he was chosen to be the father, the stepfather of Jesus Christ is because of who he was. Guys, let me tell you something. He was going to divorce his wife. He was going to divorce Mary. And with all the knowledge he had at this point, that was the right thing to do. Are you hearing me? But how he was going to do it was so different than how most people would have done it. Number one thing is who you are into the relationship. Okay, Here's, here's what flows from that, that righteousness. Number two, and that's biblically. You be biblical. I'm going to be righteous. I've got to be right with God to handle my relationships well. Not perfect, but right. And then I'm going, to, I'm going to approach all my difficulties with people, with the Bible being my boundaries and it being my anchor to everything I do. There was a Christian lady who had neighbors next door. They weren't Christians. And they didn't get along at all. And they were dumb. They didn't have a fence. Fence makes good neighbors, folks. And their dogs would get in their yard, and their dogs would get in there and the kids would fight, and they just didn't get along. And the Christian lady was frustrated because she wanted to help her, but she couldn't help her. And one night, late in the evening, she looks out, and her German shepherd has the lady next door's dog in its mouth, and the ra- their, its rabbit's, it, it, did I say the rabbit? The rabbit in, in its mouth, and the rabbit's dead. Bloody, muddy, and dead. And she freaks out. She spanks the dog. She does the Christian thing. She brings the rabbit in. She washes it off. She shampoos it. She blow dries it. She sneaks over and puts it back in the pen. Because she knows if these ladies think that their dog killed their rabbit, they're going to want their dog arrested. The next morning she's out and she hears that blood curling scream and she goes, oh, no. (laughs) So she runs over there. What's wrong? Because it's a scream worse than just finding a dead rabbit. And the lady said, our rabbit died yesterday afternoon and we buried it. And some sicko has dug it up and put it back in its cage. And the good Christian lady, she looks at her and says, this world is going to hell. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) you know how... We've got some professional counselors in here. I'm not a professional counselor, but I do, I do counseling. And what I have to do when I'm counseling or when I'm dealing with a people problem, I've got to try to be who I should be. And then the Bible determines nothing goes outside the Bible. The Bible's our boundary. The Bible's our book. How well do you know the Bible? Are you listening? Do you hear it? Do you take it in? Do you read it? The true story, several years ago, they, were, they did a survey asking people biblical knowledge, and they said, who was Noah's wife? And one one idiot said, "Joan of Arc, think about that you 'll laugh later we don 't know who noah 's wife was. Mrs. Noah is all the information that we have, but it wasn't Joan of Arc. I promise you, so you 're dealing with people problems. you be the right person." The Bible is your boundaries. Here's the third thing. Prayerfully and thoughtfully. Deal with your problems prayerfully and thoughtfully. How many of you have ever made a decision that was real quick and that you regretted real quick? You know, you really lay into somebody. You let them have it. and Oh, my goodness, I shouldn't have done this. This was an email a lady sent to her ex-fiance. Dear John, I've been unable to sleep since we broke off our engagement. It shattered me. I can hardly live without you. Please forgive me for the terrible things I said about you and your family. You really are handsome, despite what I said. Your absence is breaking my heart. I was a fool to leave you. Nobody can take your place. I love you so much. I have my phone with me all the time. Please call as soon as you get this email. Love always, Linda. P.S., congratulations on winning the lottery yesterday. Joseph shows us so much here. Look in verse 20. But after he had considered these things, after he had considered. The word consider there is, is a great word. It means to ponder. It means to be deliberate, to weigh in your mind. And, and one of the things, listen, when you're dealing with people issues, you need to use your stinking head. Think. Think. And pray. And the bigger the problem, the more help you need from God. Would you agree with that? And so you read your Bible, you listen to your Bible, and you ask God, God, what should I do? Speak to me, God. And if you've got an open heart, God has an open mouth. He will speak to you. Ask God. Handle your problems prayerfully and thoughtfully. Here's another thing that flows from Joseph's righteousness. Treat them as you want to be treated. Treat them as you want to be treated. At the end of verse 19, it says, Joseph was unwilling to put her to shame, but resolved to divorce her quietly. The word shame means to make an example or exhibit. It's making a trophy of someone. You know, you put them in their place and you hammer them, and you're just going to hang them up outside of your window so everybody can see how good you are and how rotten they are. I'm not saying that other person, they may be rotten. We have to be real careful about wanting to make a trophy out of them. Someone said some of us like to make a point, and then we like to stick our enemies on that point. (laughs) Matthew 7, 12, Jesus would say some 30 years later, and I'm quoting from the King James I learned years ago, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. You know what he was saying there? You want people to make a point out of you? You you want people to shame you publicly? To disgrace you? Then you go for it. By the way, what goes around comes around. Matthew 7, a little earlier, Jesus basically said, the way you judge others, you'll be judged. So, Handle people the way you want to be handled. Listen, you may have to, again, very few situations, you may have to divorce. You certainly may have to break up with somebody. You may have to fire somebody. You may have to tell the boss, I'm not coming back anymore. You may have to tell some friends, I can't hang out with you anymore. But do it. Treat them the way you want to be treated from a heart of righteousness. Let me give you some good news, and I think this is good news. Here's another big thought. God will show you how to handle the person. God will show you how to handle the person and the situation. Again in verse 20 after Joseph considered these things an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying Joseph son of David don't fear to take Mary as your wife for what is conceived in her it was not it's not illegitimate this is from the holy spirit this is from the holy spirit and then look in verse 21 she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus he will save his people From their sins. Your son's going to be the Savior. The name Jesus means God saves. In verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. This is Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and bear a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus has never called Emmanuel throughout the New Testament. But it's a description of who he was. God and man walking the earth see, Joseph needed some answers. He couldn't get them all, but he got enough. God told him what to do, and he was telling him basically how this was going to play out, who your son's going to be. He's Jesus. This is what he does. He saves. He's Emmanuel. This is who he is, God among us. I want to tell you something. If you'll really, if you'll seek God and you're open, God will show you what to do. You may not hear what he, like what he always says, but God will show you. Here's the fourth thing. Obey God. And keep obeying God. Obey God and keep obeying God. And I put that keep in there for a reason. Verse 24. Joseph woke from his sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. And he took her as his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And they named him Jesus. Wow. This is tough. God tells him what to do. And he does it. They marry, they do not have any kind of sexual relationships until after the baby's born. Virgin birth, virgin conception. The Bible does say they had children after that. Jesus had brothers and sisters. But not until Jesus was born. I don't know about for you, but I know for me, sometimes it's hard to hear what God's telling me. And then it's really hard to do what God's telling me. And God may be telling you, you, you've got to deal with that situation with that person. You're dating somebody you're not supposed to be dating, and you need to break it off. And then you keep obeying God because I didn't get married until I was 35, so I know what it's like. You you say, well, I'm going to, I'll break it off, and you break it off, and you feel good, you have a peace, and then, boom, the loneliness and the brutality of not having somebody. And then you're driving down the road, and you hear a song, and it reminds you of them does it sound familiar? And you're a man, so you don't really cry, but you tear up a little bit. Make sure nobody's looking. Then you call them just to check on them, right? You just text them. We're broke up, but I still care about them. And then two weeks later, what's you're, you're back in that situation again that you shouldn't be in. God may tell you something with a person. It's going to be difficult to do. But if God's telling you to do it, you obey God and you keep obeying God. And here's the the icing on the cake, and I think it really is icing on the cake. God's going to take care of you. God will take care of you. But he knew her not until she had given birth and had a son, and they named him Jesus. Okay. Man, for Joseph and Mary, they got to stay together. The relationship was righteous. Righteous. I'm going to tell you, do not ever think, we're going to look at this more next Sunday morning, that their life wasn't really difficult, that people did not, a lot of people did not buy into the virgin birth. And there's some uh, some agreement on some scholars from John chapter 8, way past the woman in the well story, where 30-something years later, the Pharisees called Jesus a Samaritan, which means that you're a half-bred Jew, that they were actually taking a shot And you don't know who your daddy is, boy. So it's going to be really hard for Joseph and Mary. But they obey God. And in the end, we would say 2,000 years ago, it worked out great, didn't it? And I want to tell you this morning it may work out great for you. That that relationship may be restored and reconciled, and, and everything may be good. It may not. Because relationships take two. Did you hear me? I was, I'm 55 minus 20, I'm 35. I spent most of my life thinking everybody could be fixed. Some people can't be fixed because they won't be fixed. And you know what? That's okay because we can't fix them. I'm responsible for me. You're responsible for you. And I sure hope it doesn't happen, but sometimes very few divorce has to happen. Sometimes you do have to break up. Sometimes you do have to fire that person. Sometimes you do have to go get a new job. Sometimes you have to find new friends or you have to put boundaries with family members and say, if you're not going to change, this is how we're going to have to do life together. Sometimes it doesn't work with us and them, but here's God's promise to you and me. When we do what's right, God will take care of us. Some of you need to hear that this morning. God will take care of you. Your job, my job, do what's right. And God will take care of us. God will take care of us. How many of you have seen the movie, The Nativity? It came out like 2004, 2005. Any of y'all seen that movie? None of us. We're going to show that this afternoon, and it's required to keep a membership. You have to be back up here to watch it. It's really like, it's not brutal. I mean, it's, it's a good movie. It's not Hallmark, okay? Sorry, women. You need to watch it. It's a good movie. And at the, at the, towards the end of the movie, they've had the baby. And Joseph and Mary are sitting by the manger, and they're talking. And this isn't in the Bible, so it's speculation, but it, but it could have been real. And, and they're, they're looking at baby Jesus, and they're saying, you know, wow. Because the Bible does say they, they kind of knew what was going on, but they didn't fully grasp what was going on. How could they fully grasp it? And, and, and it, Joseph kind of looks at Jesus, and he, kinda, he says, I wonder if I'll ever be able to teach him anything. Joseph, I don't know if you're listening or if you really said that, but man, God chose you because you were going to be able to teach him something. How to handle people and how to handle people in the most difficult situations That's who raised Jesus. That was his stepdaddy. And one thing Joseph's trying to say to you and me this morning, God, through the book, is how to handle them. And it starts, number one, with who you are. I want to challenge you this morning. Learn that lesson from Joseph. and Do whatever you have to take to get you right this morning. Would you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christian, I do hope that you will do whatever you need to do to get square with God so you can do people and do life with people the best. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart and I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a moment. Maybe today you've asked Christ to come in your heart and you're ready to do that. Listen, that's the most important thing there is. That's the beginning of righteousness. When we stand, come if you're ready and give your life to Christ. Or if you want to wait till after church, I'll be at this door. Ministers will be down here. But you, you cross that line with Jesus this morning before you leave here. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We would love to have you. You can come and do that when we stand or you can do that after church. We are a church that wants to stand on truth, bathed in love and grace. And if that's what you're looking for, come and join us. Christian, maybe where you're standing or maybe at the altar, maybe praying with a minister, you need to get right with God because you, you are maybe, you're not in a position to deal with people properly. Get your heart right. Come, let us pray for you about that situation or that person. Ball's in your court. Let's stand. as God leads you.